Welcome to The Stream, the devotional series of Rivercross Church. Just as a stream of water runs through dry land, bringing things to life, so we know that spending time meditating on scripture and time spent in prayer has the same result to our souls. Today is the first in our Easter week devotionals on the Lord's Prayer, and it's by Ryan Colleen. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rivercross podcast. We are so excited that you are able to join us for this, and we hope that you find it a uh, fruitful and beneficial use of your time. My name is Ryan Colleen, and if you don't know that name, that's not surprising because I'm actually quite new to the church. My wife, Sandy, you might know, she recently started here as the pastor of Youth and Family Ministries. And you might have seen me once or twice uh, doing worship over the course of the past few months. And I've been uh, very blessed and privileged to be able to, to share that and to be able to be a part of the ministry that Rivercross is doing here. And I am so excited that I, I have this opportunity to share with you today. So if we haven't met yet, I'm sure we'll be able to meet sometime soon in person. So... In the week leading up to Easter, we're going to be doing this series of devotionals. And throughout this series of devotionals, we're going to be going line by line through the Lord's Prayer as found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. And today, we're going to be looking at the first line in verse 9, which reads, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. First, though, before we get into anything else, we want to understand where exactly this passage is, where the Lord's Prayer is, and why it's happening, why Jesus is teaching people how to pray. See, it's a part of something that's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's a very famous part of the Gospel of Matthew, where King Jesus is giving his inaugural speech. He's declaring what the kingdom of heaven is like and how it's different from what we know. And there's going to be more on that in the next devotional. For today, all we need to know is that just before this, Christ was condemning prayer that doesn't align with his kingdom. Prayer that's showy, that's done for the sake of being seen and being heard. He uses this opportunity to show what authentic prayer looks like. Now, there's one word in this line from the prayer that I really want to focus in on today. And that word is Father. This word can be a bit tricky because when we hear it, we tend to automatically think of our own father. But in order to understand what Jesus is saying here, we need to grasp that the way fatherhood looks today and the way families in general look today is very different from the way they looked at the time when Jesus lived. See, instead of this, this nuclear family model that we see uh, that's almost ubiquitous today, Back then, you would typically have had not just parents and children living in a household, but you'd also have members of the extended family living on this family estate. And depending on how wealthy you were, you might also have workers, servants, and slaves. And they might also, depending on their uh, circumstances, they might also have families living with you on your estate. So, so, so you'd have this household that would be... It, 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 it could be anywhere from dozens to, some, in some cases, even hundreds of people uh, 
and that would be your, your household, your family estate. See, today we often think of a household as being at most two parents and their children, but 2,000 years ago, a household was often more like a miniature town. And while in that household, you might have many people who were fathers, there was one person, usually the eldest male, who was the father, the patriarch who was in charge of the household. They were like the miniature king of that miniature town. They were responsible for governing the household, making sure that it was financially sound, protecting it from outside threats, arbitrating disputes, not just when it came to their children, but also their siblings, their cousins, their nieces, their nephews, their servants, the entire household. In fact, in some ways, the authority that a patriarch had over the household was more absolute than the authority that a king had over his people. Now, I want to take a minute for a quick disclaimer here, because I'm not saying that this was a good system or that this is the way God designed families to live. There were a lot of problems with this way of structuring families. I'm not bringing it up to advocate for it. I'm bringing it up because it's, it informs the, the way people thought about what a father meant then. And so Christ uses it here and elsewhere as an example from the surrounding culture to teach his audience something about who God is. Because as I said, the patriarch of a household at that time was in many ways like a king. But one crucial difference that I want to highlight, there's, there's quite a few differences between a patriarch and a king, but one difference that I want to highlight is that a patriarch did not rule over subjects that he had never met. The people that he was responsible for were not just names on a scroll for him to look after. He was deeply familiar with those in his household, and most of them were his own family, his own flesh and blood. And that is the imagery that Jesus is drawing on here when he calls Jesus or he calls God our Father. Because, like I said, this part of Matthew is Jesus declaring the arrival of God's kingdom. And in this statement, he's declaring what sort of kingdom it is and what sort of king. God is because God is powerful yes he's the king of kings he's the lord of all creation he's the one who made the heavens and the earth he's far greater than anything our words could ever describe or our brains could ever imagine he is all that and more but he's not a distant king he wasn't like Caesar or even like King Herod sitting on his throne with no personal connection to the people he ruled. Instead, he knows and cares about each of us individually. That's the sort of kingdom this is. The king is great and mighty, but he also loves you more deeply than you could ever possibly imagine. Jesus is emphasizing that the question of whether God is our holy Lord or our close friend is not either or. It's both and. And that's how Jesus opens this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus is declaring who God is, what he is like, and proclaiming him holy or hallowed. The prayer, this is important, the prayer isn't about us. Later on, it deals with our needs and our wants and our struggles. These things are all important to God. They matter to God. But it never deals with them from a self-centered perspective. It never makes them about us. 
See, from the very beginning, this prayer is about God, the perfect Father. And that's one thing that separates this from the prayers of the hypocrites that Jesus was talking about before this. The prayer that isn't about us, that it's not a way of looking holy or getting God's attention or getting what we want. It's a way to recognize him, to spend time with him, to get to know him, the Father who loves us. Now, before I wrap up, there's just one last thing I want to cover here. I should say that I'm only touching on part of the imagery that the Bible is using when it comes to talking about God as our Father, right? That's a very rich metaphor. There's a lot going on there. And the imagery isn't something that began with the New Testament, right? We see it used sometimes in the Old Testament as well. And, and there it's often in the context of God being our what's called kinsman redeemer, See, to make a long story short, a kinsman redeemer was a relative who would recover or buy back property or people that had been lost from the family. See, in proclaiming that God was our father, Jesus wasn't just drawing on family structures to illustrate who God is. He was proclaiming his intention to be the kinsman redeemer to all those who had been lost from God's family, to buy us back at the price of his own life. And of course, as we, as we prepare for the Easter season, where we remember what that looked like, that's something we want to keep foremost on our minds. I'd like to invite you to pray with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name that you revealed to your people so long ago to lead them out of Egypt, to deliver them from their struggles, to lead them to you so that they might know you as part of a plan that went on for thousands of years and that still goes on today and that you, you have invited us to be a part of today. As our Father, our Lord, our friend, our kinsman redeemer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And leave us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you'll tune in tomorrow where you will get to hear Sandy talk about what it means to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Thank you.